Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Morning, everybody. Before I kick off today, let's do this. Um, Trevisil, you are so lovely. Love you so much. And afterwards, we've got a big gift for you guys. If we could please win. What? Who's that? Stop it. You are my favorite people in the church. <laughs> so good. My favorite, favorite people, Trevor and Saul, and your entire home group is so, yeah, so amazing. Ah, <laughs> oh, Justin, it's so good to see you on stage, my bro. Love seeing you worship there with your guitar. Uh, yeah, send love to Coco and and Kat and all the faces I haven't seen in a long while. It's good to have you guys. If I knew it only took Poiki course, I would have done it earlier. <clears throat> so good to have you guys with us. Um, can I ask the elders and their wives to quickly stand, please, where you are? We're getting a lot of people through the church now, and we haven't done an official welcoming in. But I want to tell you, these are the couples that govern this body of, of God's church. You can maybe turn around so you can say the, see the beautiful faces. <clears throat> yeah, they are worthy of applause. They really are. You don't know how much they sacrifice and lay down for this, uh, this body. And for this season, the, this is the governance that God has ordained in this place. Husband and wife. If you're not from our flow, then maybe you don't know what we mean with elder. We mean pastor. These are pastors and their wives, and we govern together. We sit in a team before God, subject to His leading, and it is our purpose to bring His vision to expression in this body of believers. All we ask you, trust us in God and follow God into what He has for you. But thank you guys for being a fantastic team. There's tabs outside in the point. She's probably spoiling the other poikis. Somebody go and check Tabitha is sabotaging our poikis. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's amazing to have a team that governs. That's why you can, have, you can have confidence in what's happening here because it's not one fella that is a subject to his own will. It is a team under God that governs the vision that he has given us here. I shared with the elders some time ago, uh, two or three weeks ago, Melissa and I went down to Cape Town, and we had the privilege of sitting with a guy that planted this church, Rigby Wallace, in Cape Town. So Rigby and Sue planted in 1982. LRC was then known as Waverly Covenant. Yeah, Waverly New Covenant. And now we've gone through a couple of name changes. Waverly New Covenant, Dedouza, London Road Church to get to Love Reaching Communities. And I really felt that Love Reaching Communities is such a silly little acronym, you know. It feels like somebody just decided, whoa, we've got an L, we've got an R, we've got a C. What shall we make of it? Love Reaching Communities. And I've got friends in Cape Town who rag us continually to say, ah, oh, your name is Love Reaching Communities. And I must say, for some time, I succumbed to that. And I succumbed to that and I would laugh with them. We sit with Rigby and Sue. And he says, when God, just to catch up on, on what they're doing, we, we, I know Rigby a little bit from Cape Town. Molise wasn't too much exposed to him. But we sit and he says, that when they were given the opportunity, the offering boxes can go around, just pay attention, it's quite significant. 
And he says when God gave them the property next door, because God first gave that site for this work to be established here. And he says, God said to them, as long as you love the community, I will establish my work here. I don't know about you, but I just feel so convicted and so excited at the same time. And the last thing he said to us is, I charge you and Molise and the team of elders and pastors to love his community and love his church. Now, we haven't, we haven't shouted this from the pulpit, and I know I'm ra- raising my voice, so I'm not angry, but we haven't done it in a while. Our mandate is that God's love will reach our communities. If you are not doing that, you need to do it. <laughs> Repent and start doing it. Let your love reach your community. It's simple. A friendly hello, a check-in on a neighbor, seeing what's happening on your street. It's being a positive voice on all of those street or community chat groups. Who's part of that? Sometimes ours just spew negativity. Positive influence there. That's what you are called to. Because I want to tell you, (laughs) if we are not loving his community and our community that he is sending us here in Limbro, we are outside of the vision that he planted here originally. Now that doesn't mean it's the only thing. God has established us as a multi-diverse and a generational community. And, and with that comes different expressions. But I want to remind you also this morning that it's not your ministry. It is your gifting in God's ministry. Do not forget that. You don't get to do this as your ministry. It is him using your gifting to bring expression to his ministry for his glory to reach his people so that his love can flow. Nothing else. And I find myself as I reflect on this, I think pretty much that's where Joshua and them were when we get to the message this morning. Maybe a long, long way to spin it, but... uh, Let's spin it. I'm going to have fun. Father, we ask you for your ability to preach this morning. I ask you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we can sit around your word unrestricted, unhindered. Father, I pray that we will learn something of you, of your plan, of your purpose this morning. Give me the ability to be succinct, Lord. Protect the poikis, Lord, that they will not burn. In Jesus' name, amen. And should I pray that tabs can't sabotage? (laughs) Okay, so we find ourselves in his stories at the point where Jericho is about to fall. Lainey did a good job last week of telling us about Rahab and the scarlet robe. Can you remember that? It was draped right there and across the cross. And and, and she, she set it up so that we can depart into the next part of the thing today. Phase one, she said, today is. Guys, you haven't even eaten yet and you're fast asleep. The rice and the pup is still coming, people. She said phase one and this is phase. Thank you. There's life. All right, so we're going to go through. I've got, I think, eight points I quickly want to make 
and then I want to linger on one. So let's quickly rush through it. So the scripture that we're looking at this morning, and that I think you can go and read, because there's so much more than what I'm going to present to you this morning, is Joshua 5 and 6. And let me tell you, it's easy to read. You will quickly find yourself having read right through two chapters. It is a nice uh, reminder of how God set it up. But let me tell you what happens next week on Jericho. Am I the only one who watches series? Thank you, Chanta. At least somebody gets me. Ah, they have just crossed the Jordan. And it's, it's all the Israelites. Moses is handed over leadership to Joshua. Now, Joshua wasn't so much just another guy that he said, um, any, any money, you there, you stand up, you're taking leadership. Joshua is the boy that went with him and basically grew up in the presence of God next to this great mentor, Moses. But now if you go and read up on the character of Joshua, he was very different to Moses. Some of the people in, in Bible, in, in, in Christian leadership will tell you you're either Moses or you're a Joshua. Now, Moses was all about the people. Father, how can you smite them? What will the people think of you? Give them one more chance. Joshua is more like, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You're coming with me or not, but I'm going. There is a purpose to accomplish here. There is a land to invade. There is a, a, a nation to build and a country to conquer. Joshua, he is this go-getter of note. And you ask yourself, how does it happen? I don't know. It's just the gifting of God. But somehow, one thing he did not lose was this need to be in the presence of God. Something that Moses imparted in our young, young Joshua, who's not young at this stage, but from a young age, is you want to be in the presence of God. That is where life is. He's the one who lingers when Moses goes down. He's the one who goes, and he's the first to see the presence of God shine out of the face of Moses. Moses comes out of the tabernacle, out of the tent of meeting, and Joshua is there. Hello? What did he say today? The first one to jump on the revelation that God has given his mentor Moses. And every now and again, you do see something of Moses coming through in Joshua. But what happens as they cross the Jordan? Joseph, uh, I love Joseph, but Joshua, thank you, Father, you remind me. Joshua realizes that something has been lost in the nation of Israel. They're not a little clan anymore. They're not 12 brothers and their wives and their children and the concubines traveling. They're a nation. They have stripped Egypt bare of gifts and gold and stuff. They have traversed lands. They've been journeying for 40 years. You would know that if you go to theology. Just a quick punt. It's good for you to learn about the Bible. Very good. They have conquered this, this, uh, they've gone on a journey and God has established them. He's been feeding them manna and quail. He's been disciplining. He's been correcting. He's been loving. He's been purposing. He's been saving. He's been delivering. He has, he has caused um, uh, leprosy on some of them where they stood in disobedience. But overall, God, God is the one that's directed them. And they come here and, and Joshua realizes that they have lost something. And he goes and he circumcises all of the men, young and old. You read that, that verse, it says, make yourself some knives of flint. 
I don't know how many they had to make. But I tell you, for anything else, I would have been first in line. Get it over and done with and quickly. And he says, the people got to heal. And then God said, now the action is going to start. And then they go and they, 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 through the divine design of God, they march around the city. We learn something from that. On the seventh day, the seventh day, they march around the city. Seven times. We know this from our Sunday school days. And then what happens? They raise a shout. And the walls come tumbling down. How many of you had walls come tumbling down during worship this morning? Okay, there's three of us. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the, for the, for the few. Thank you, Lord. The walls come tumbling down. And it says the people went through on even ground. They walked through. Now there's lots of debates where science and, and sonic power and, and miracles and stuff come in. I don't want to debate the style of how God did it. I just want to say God did it. It's, it's the one says that it was completely disintegrated due to the sound. The other says they have found remnants of the walls in the archaeological findings when you go and research it. doesn't matter. But the city of Jericho is roughly six acres. I don't know. What is that in, in, in our language? Big. Very big. Big. Terry says it's big. He's a principal of a school. It's big. This is the city. Today it stands with 1,900 according to the book that was written in 2015. So I don't know how many people, but they say it's a dirty little town with inhabitants to this day. That's roughly the story of Jericho. Lainey spoke about Rahab and what she did for the spies and how God said, I'm going to save her. Leave out the scarlet rope. But the first thing we do, as soon in verse 1, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, I think it is, it says, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites, Jericho was a Canaanite city, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel to cross over. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. First point, the presence of God should be recognized in your life. When you say you're a Christian, do people realize that you are? Do they recognize the presence of God in you? And can you undo those spirits that come to oppose Him? Do they shudder in the, when, when you're there because of the people of LRC? Are you crossing Jordans? In the presence of God. The second one, Joshua 5, 8 to 9. When the, when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the problem was that the people that left Egypt, God said, because of your disobedience, you shall not enter the promised land. And it took 40 years. And during the 40 years, he established other things. But one of the things was that he was going to establish a new people that will go in. And what do the parents do? They forget to tell the kids about the covenantal relationship that they have with Yahweh. The, 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 the mesmerizing fact is that Moses wrote the law and said on the eighth day, you, you, must, you must circumcise the boys. And for 40 years, they neglect this. Do 
you would think that after God makes you drink bowls of water with melted and pieces of gold in it, after you see the, the ground open up and people die in front of you, or a person that's perfectly healthy turn to ash because of, of leprosy, that you would think, oh, I'm just going to obey. Not them. And I think they really deserve that thing when God says, my, the obstinate, stiff-necked people who will not humble themselves. But he says, no, we can't do this. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So you better get back onto the covenant. Come, boys. What I love in this, this portion, it says, today I've rolled away the reproach. After they circumcise themselves and after they step into the physical expression of the covenant with Yahweh, he says, I will roll back the reproach of Egypt. What does reproach mean? The shame and the guilt. That which you felt in Egypt when you were a slave, I will take away because you have remembered my covenantal relationship with you. I think we should be careful before we call ourselves in covenant with each other and with other people. You know, there's a big thing around in the Christian community at the moment. It's like, oh, we have covenantal relationship with one another. Do you understand what it means? My blood with your blood, I die for you. And then tomorrow these people leave this church and then they've got covenantal relationship with the next one. Covenantal relationship in its essence and the purest form between God and us, the bigger and the lesser, the greater and the lesser, takes away the shame. If you're feeling guilty and shameful, I want to challenge you that you should get to God and re remind yourself that He gave something so that you could become His. And let that shame and guilt be rolled back. And just like the Israelites, maybe, just maybe, there's a physical act involved in that. I'll leave that with you. Number three. Joshua 5, 12. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. They, they, they celebrated Passover. So they stopped, they, they, they crossed the Jordan, and they said the first thing we need to do, I think on the 14th day or something, we need to remember the Passover, which was our thing out of Egypt. So all of a sudden the covenant is there. <laughs> and now they remember, oh, there's something else that we need to do. The word of God, the law says there's a couple of things we need to observe. Let's do Passover. They take from the land. They make unleavened breads. They take whatever they need to. They celebrate Passover. And God says, the season has changed. When we remember Jesus in 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 everything that we do, it, it gives him the platform to come and tell us that our seasons have changed. When last did you remember Jesus and, and remember that he was the one who paid the price for you? It's grace. It's grace. I'm nothing but your grace. When last did you remind yourself that it's about Jesus? And when last did you sit at his feet so that you can say, your season has changed, your season will change, your season, season is changing.
but don't stress because the land that I'm taking you into will provide everything you need. I will seize with the old food and I will bring the new. There will be provision for your changed season. And our season change, people. We see new faces. We see new developments. Does anybody know what is being built on that corner? I thought it was going to be properties, but they are excavating. I think they are mining again. Any engineers or civil engineers or anyone here? Where is guy? Oh, my gosh. We need to send him in and go and scout the land for us. But can you feel that there's a season change here? Your precious little home group that's the us for no more might be disrupted. Your comfortable 20, 20 uh, size uh, home group might be disrupted. Your house might be a little bit disrupted. God will come and multiply the meal that you cooked because all of a sudden it's being disrupted. Are you ready for a change of season? Alice is on the move. As for me and my house, <laughs> we're going to serve the Lord. Come with me or not. Number four. So that was remember Jesus. Number four is recognize God. Joshua 5, 14 to 15. <clears throat> you, oh. Now there's, there's a lot of speculation about this one. It's when uh, he speaks to this appearance, a thing, a person with a sword. And he says to him, who are you? And he says, I am the commander of the armies of heaven. Now, the speculation about this is that only God is the true commander of the armies of heaven. And they say, like Moses had his burning bush experience, here he comes and he has his burning bush experience where he's face to face with God. <coughs> because the similarity says, the commander says, take off your sandals because you are on holy ground. But he comes and he, he says to this apparition or this appearance or this manifestation, or I don't know what it must have looked like, whether it was a see-through being or a solid actual person. I don't know. But it was clear enough for him to see that there's a person. And he says, are you for me or are you for my enemies? And now you would say that if this is God, surely he's going to say, I'm for you, Joshua. I told you to come. But listen to what he says. Where is it? And he said, in verse 14, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I have come. Whenever you fall into this habit of saying, shall you're in our own strength, we just need a little bit of extra support. Army, a commander of the armies, are you for us? No. But now I have come. Do you recognize, the, 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 do you recognize God in, in seasons? And, and do you recognize, do you still look out for him? Do you still pay attention? You know, Joshua steps into this complete humanness of him. And he's like, oh, please just be for us because you look like you're a good soldier. God is saying, don't be silly. You don't need to bolster your, your, your physical, your, your army. You just need me. Now I have come. 
Are we so busy with life that we don't notice God for who he is and start to doubt? Recognize God. Number five, Joshua 6, uh, 3 to 5. <laughs> I don't know if that commander of the Lord's army, because you, you don't really get it. But all of a sudden in the next chapter, he, he's got this plan. He's got clarity. Now, I'm sure before that, Joseph was sitting with the clansmen and with the heads of the different uh, tribes, and he was saying, what? Joshua, oh my goodness. Someone closed that door. The poiky smells are just driving me nuts. He, he says, he must have thought, let's go and, and plan this attack. God has told us this, the, 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 the place is ours, but let's, we've sent in spies. Now we know we need to take it. So I think at night we go through the tunnels underneath that bring the water in and out because they've locked themselves up. We can't get in any other way. I don't know if at that stage, because Jericho is one of the lowest lying cities in the world above sea level. It's very low. So they say part of the city walls were to protect it against water flooding, and part of it was for protection with one tower. So now um, like, uh, there must have been some way water was coming in. So we're going in through the water, or maybe we jump and we make skins and wings out of animal skins, and we fly over, and then somebody opens the gate quickly, let that chain down, boom, we're in. And who are we going for first? The, the kings and the generals and the princes. We annihilate them. We get rid of them. And then the rest is easy pickings. The other side of the plan is, and remember, they are wealthy. There's, there's fruit and there's silver and there's gold and there's all of this. So let's get camels ready. We're going to strip them bare. We're going to take it out. Ah, da, 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 da. But we come in this next chapter and there's a solid plan. You will march around the city. Seven priests with ram's horns will blow as they walk in front of the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. Behind them will come the armed men, and some will surround them. After that, the nation will come. You will march around once, and you shall not utter a sound. You will not shout and you will not speak. You will do this for six days. On the seventh day, the same order will prevail. You will march around that city without saying anything for six times. Once you have done it for a sixth time, you arrive at point A again. You will march again. And as the ram horns blow, you shall raise a shout. God has a specific plan. The difficulty is, so does man. Or maybe just me. I'm going to buy a car. A BMW, he says. And the narrator goes, it wasn't a good idea. But he pressed on still. Later, he would pay the price. My BMW will haunt me. <laughs> Ah, God has a plan. I love how the design of this plan is simple yet elegant. And it places the right emphasis on the right parts of the plan. Now we get to, a, 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 into, to modern day church and we say, come everybody to, to prayer meeting. We're going to pray together. Don't you tell me what to do. I pray at home. 
I pray at home. I don't have to go to homework. That is legal, a home group. That's legalism. And don't you tell me to come up front and bow before God. You will not tell me what to do. That, guys, there is a clear plan and a design. And why are we so stubborn to not just sub- submit to it? God has a plan. <laughs> I need water. I'm spitting like crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so God has a plan. Now we say, oh, if it's not legalism, then it's gimmicks. God can deal with me in my chair where I am. I don't have to raise my hands. But just what if, when you raise your hands, he says, I see your humility, and he invades your presence, and he meets you like an avalanche. What what then? What if somebody that's gone before and said, God, what do you want for Sunday? Felt that we must bow down or or come out, and and, and why, why can't we do that? How has that now become legalism or gimmick that's outside of the, the, the possibility that God might want that? The converse is also true. God might just want us to sit and think upon him quietly, intimately on our chairs. It's possible. The problem is we've become so self-reliant, we don't know how to discern God's plan anymore. We've become like the Israelites that stopped circumcising and celebrating the covenant of God. The priests will go first with the presence of God. And they shall blow on their ram's horns and it shall be glorious to announce the presence of the king. Thereafter, the mighty people And thereafter, in solemn observance, the people will follow. Because they are not following Joshua. They are following Yahweh, the great I am, the uncreated one. That's who they follow. And I don't know what you believe about what happened to the walls of Jericho. But I want to tell you, Yahweh was there. And as much as he could create sand, he can make it disappear. And when they raised up a shout of victory, (laughs) he came through. Not because of man's excellent plan. Not of the strategies of the best general. Not because of the art of war but because of the presence of the great I am and him glorified in the midst of man. God has a plan. It might not make sense, but it is trustworthy. Guys, when you look at this plan, it's ridiculous. We are marching around a city that is fortified by walls with archers and armies and men of valor inside. All they had to do was drop bits of or bottles of tar and, and fire arrows at the people. 
They could have taken out, out a third. God's plan is better than your plan. Always better, even if it seems ridiculous. The only way to get it, though, is to be in the presence of God. Number six, 16 verse 17. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, whisper, whisper as quiet as you can. Let no one hear the name of Yahweh. There is a shout required sometimes. But we've become sissies. Oh, it's that, that people in the front that are screaming again. So we're excited about God, so stone us. We enjoy His presence. We get excited in it. We don't have to wait 45 minutes with rapid praise songs to warm up. We just enjoy God. And we want to shout out. We want the world to know. We want heaven to hear that we praise Him as hard here as they do up there. We come together and we do it. Sometimes it's good. Are you falling maybe into the category where sometimes it's never? Never good. I was married to come and sing one song. Because what happens? What happens when they shout? The walls come tumbling down. And sometimes you've got to raise a shout and get the walls in your heart to tumble down. Those internal walls that we put up. And we like that when, just the chords there, my love. The, we, we, we like to think of physical walls come tumbling down. In all this debt, can you just tumble down? It's a wall around me. Jesus! How many people have had their debt just completely wiped out because of shouting Jesus? There we go. How many people have seen breakthrough in lives? Because they shouted to Jesus. You see what it starts with? It's this wall. This wall of doubt. This wall of fear. This wall of, of comparing myself to the others. What are they going to think when I do this? I must be honest. I don't know if I think more or less of you when I'm praising God. I don't know if it's possible. I want you to stand. Are you ready, Mose? There's a mutation going on here. Yeah, we have many sound guys. Somebody can just go and unmute it. Let's just stand. I don't know if you're going to do it loud. I don't know if you're going to shout. I don't know if you're going to whisper. I, it, it doesn't matter. But something must be raised within you before God. And I believe as we raise this today, 
at something of the wall inside of us are going to come tumbling down. Not the external walls, but the internal walls. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.